The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, it's officially Dame time in Milwaukee, and I am in my field. We also get into the recent reporting that is spilling the tea on the Cold War between Dame's camp and the Blazers' front office, all the latest on the Drew Holiday trade. We also have a fun interview with Jonathan Zaslow of the Zaslow 2.0 podcast, straight out of Miami, to get to the heat view of how things went down. Hint, not great, Bob. Not great. All right, William, drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. Break, we're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to The Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. All right, last time we talked about Damian Lillard, he had just been traded and the entire basketball world was in shock. Uh, let's rewind for just a second and and bask in the glory of this monumental trade, shall we? Shall we? Shall we? We shall. Uh, the Blazers get Drew Holiday, which has he has been traded, but the beginning of the trade was Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, who is like very good. I actually like him a lot. A 2029 first round pick unprotected, and two pick swaps in 2028 and 2030, as I would say, 202030. The Suns got Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. And the Bucks get, of course, Dame, Dame Time Lillard. That happened. And if you hadn't had or heard how triggered the Miami fans are, We've got a short interview at the end of this episode with Miami radio guy Jonathan Zaslow, friend of show, who will break all that down. But in essence, we have two things to do on this episode, really, as media begins to roll around today. By the way, breaking news if you're living under a rock, shocker, James Harden did not report today to Sixers Media Day. Uh, We will talk about that next episode, but for now, the first really is to discuss the other non-hardened breaking news. Portland has traded Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. We'll get into all of that in a minute. And the second thing we have to do, talk about the Cold War still being waged between the Blazers front office and Damian Lillard's camp. Because we got not one, but two massive I guess think pieces, if that's what you want to call them, that dropped over the weekend, and they tell, as you might imagine, radically different stories. This is radically different. 
But first, let's talk about the Drew Holiday trade, which was an absolute haul. When the Blazers acquired this four-time All-Star, All-NBA defensive first-team guard in the Drew uh, for Dame trade, it was a massive win for Joe Cronin personally and the franchise as a whole. Because why? Because according to Miami Heat fans, the Blazers had no leverage to get anybody other than someone like Tyler Hero, who is a no-time All-Star. Probably Pat Riley in the front office thought that the best deal was Tyler Hero and two first-round picks. And that was the best the Blazers were ever going to get. Even after the trade, a shocking number of Miami people were saying that the Heat still had the better offer because Tyler Hero was worth as much as Drew Holiday, which they thought would be a first-round pick. And, of course, that was bullshit because there were 20 teams calling for Drew, four, three, four teams that seriously Drew would re-extend with. And the second the trade was finalized, half the league was beating down Cronin's door for just a chance to get Drew, who has proven that he can be the final piece to push a team over into a championship. We saw that with the Bucks when he in late 2020, and they won a title shortly thereafter. The, the, the reason that many teams wanted Drew is because he's the Dame stopper, right? Because Dame to Milwaukee forever altered the NBA landscape, particularly for the teams in the East. Not only did it make the Bucks immediately the best team in the East, in the NBA, and the favorite to win it all, it also removed Giannis from the board for the teams that were salivating at the thought that maybe they could get Giannis to ask out and snatch him away from Milwaukee. Now that's off the table, I think. And the other teams in the East, particularly Miami, Philly, Boston, and Cleveland, all needed to make a significant move to stay afloat. And that meant a bidding war. So take that. Miami Heat fans, who are still trying to push the narrative that Tyler Hero is the same as Drew Holiday. Uh, But it turns out the one team that was willing to pull all their chips into the middle was the Boston Celtics, landed Drew in this blockbuster deal. Here is the details. Portland gets Rob Williams, Time Lord, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Malcolm Brogdon, Sixth Man of the Year, a 2024 first-round pick via the Golden State Warriors that came via the Memphis Grizzlies to Boston in the Marcus Smart trade, a 2029 unprotected pick from Boston in the first round. Boston gets Drew Holiday. That is a holy shit trade, proof that Joe Cronin knew what was up. He knew what he was doing, which is I'm going to flip players. And listen, he it wasn't like he wasn't down to flip, right? He was just not down to take a risk on what Tyler Hero was worth. A perennial defensive player of the year in Time Lord. He's always in the mix. Hasn't won it, but he's certainly in the mix. The reigning sixth man of the year and two first. That's, that is now what the Blazers are going to do, is now trade Malcolm Brogdon probably for another first and probably another young piece. The Dame deal is looking sweeter by the minute. It is looking better by the moment for the Trailblazers and and Joe Cronin. The move makes a ton of sense because 
as some Boston insiders have said, if Dame had been traded earlier, Marcus Martin never would have been moved. You need somebody to stop Dame. And they had no guard on the team that could really stop Dame, and they knew that they had to figure it out, go all in, and what a big balls trade from Boston's perspective. They had a, a directive from ownership to do whatever it took to win a chip ASAP Rocky, and that's what they did. I'm sad for Boston fans, kind of, because I know how much you love Time Lord. I, I mean, that was like, oh, yeah, we'll give you Peyton Pritchard and and the ghost of Aaron Neesmith. And, I mean, they just wanted to give nothing, right? That's what fans wanted to do, and they are rightfully split because now, as we see, Brad Stevens has traded 60% of his starting lineup that most people thought last year were favorites to win it all. And some people thought were favorites to win it all this year. And they are now poof, gone. Time Lord, great defender. Defensive player of the year caliber when healthy, like I said. But has played less than half a season every year he's been in the league. I know that may sound like it's bad for the Blazers, but he's very young. Brogdon, sixth man of the year, he's going to get flipped. But... For Boston's perspective, he's also been injured a ton. And on top of that, reports are that Brogdon wanted a fresh start after the Celtics looked to trade him back in June to the Clippers. And he was like, yeah, I would like out. I don't want this bullshit anymore. Because remember, Brogdon publicly criticized Boston for how they handled things when they lost in the playoffs. Lots of Instagram videos prior to the trade at uh, camp. And guess what? None of those videos showed Malcolm Brogdon. None. It was been icy over there for months. The trade was a heavy price to pay, but ultimately what they had to do to keep up with the Bucks. Now the Celtics team is down. Rob Williams, 8-8-2. Eight, eight and two. Marcus Smart, 12-3-6. Malcolm Brogdon, 15-4-4. Four four. Grant Williams, 8-5-2. and two all down from last year, all accounting for 36% of their scoring, 45% of their rebounds, and 52% of their assists. Ooh, that's a lot. More importantly, those four players represented 60% of the team's blocks and 45% of the team's steals. A lot of defense is gone, which is why Drew was so important to get. Drew Holiday, lockdown point-of-attack defender. Yes, he did get cooked by Jimmy Butler, but... That was just what you had to do to stop Dame. The move had other ripple of effects, of course. Let's talk about Miami. Because, uh, yeah, have to. Uh, they get left with their dick in their hands. Yeah, uh, they do. And they got to run it back without their two key starters, and Vincent and Struess, who got replaced by Josh Richardson and Thomas Bryant. Yikes. Uh, it's now so bad in the Miami streets that Barry Jackson, longtime Miami reporter, who everybody was saying was one of the most respected reporters in the business, but he had been shilling for Pat Riley for the entire summer and Dame's agent for the entire summer. Remember, he said no matter where Dame went, Dame was going to immediately ask out to Miami. Right? Remember that. And now Barry is back on his bullshit except for he is tired of the Miami Heat organization doing Miami Heat cheap things because this is what he said on Twitter. Miami won their titles. My impression is they're happy fielding competitive good teams and selling out every team, which they do. Selling out every game, which they do. 
If they can win another title without losing tens of millions, great. If not, they won't be losing sleep. Hoo-wee! Then he said if he reported half of the things, because people were like, that's bullshit, Barry, that's bullshit. Then he said if he reported half of the thing he knows and can't say about what's happening behind the scenes with the Heat, he would lose his fucking press credentials. My God, Barry, this is what we want to see, scorched earth journalism. Meanwhile in Philly, they are still trying to figure out how to get in the mix as well, given that the fact, like I said, James Harden has not reported to media day. He is not going to Colorado where they have their training camp. They're still trying to have a sense of what's going to happen with him. Uh, as Windhorse said on the Hoop Collective earlier last week, James Harden is owed $9 million, one quarter of his salary today. We'll have a lot more insight on what's happening with the Sixers this week, but the truth of the matter, the best opportunity to move Harden was in a multi-team trade involving Drew. And now that that ship is sailed, they must get into the Malcolm Brogdon sweepstakes, people. Uh, try to move Harden to the Clippers, get Malcolm Brogdon, do some sort of salary magic, but it is very shaky in Philadelphia right now. The big winner, though, is young first-time GM Joe Cronin. Joe Cronin was seen as a guy that they could bully, right? Everybody on Miami Twitter, everybody on NBA Twitter said Joe Cronin would have to get fleeced. Dame Lillard had all the leverage. He had no leverage. And now his new nickname is Trader Joe. And it's Jover. I like it's Crover more than I like it's Jover. But people are now putting out memes of Joe Cronin as Dr. Manhattan, complete with a giant hog. Not only did he, uh, yeah, that's memes that they're out there. They are out there. Not only did he get three firsts, one from Golden State in 2024, which could actually be sneaky valuable. Draymond Green, which I didn't mention, is out for the first month of the season with a sprained ankle. CP3, old. Who knows what this team's going to be? They also have two first-round pick swaps. Also, later in the decade when Giannis is going to be older, Dame's probably not going to be there anymore. Brooke Lopez will be retired. Chris Middleton will have no knee. So those pick swaps could be valuable. The former number one overall pick in the draft, DeAndre Ayton, and two starters from the finals two years ago. He still has the opportunity to get even more back because there's no chance that Malcolm Brogdon plays a second as a trailblazer. They're calling Cronin also the flipper or the dolphin which is like a shot at Miami because he just keeps flipping players for more picks and more players. He's like that kid. There's a kid who uh, started trading with a paperclip, ended up with a house. That's Joe Cronin. He's going to be the new Sam Presti. He's going to take Dame Lillard, and he's going to turn him into like five starters and seven picks. This is better, by the way, than the Donovan Mitchell trade, or at least on par. Donovan Mitchell was two firsts and two pick swaps and multiple players, this is very much on par with that. You look at the trade and you say, okay, wow, Lori Markkinen, Oshai Akbaji, Colin Sexton, and those were all very young players, right? So that's not the same caliber of player. And I love Lori Markkinen, but he wasn't that player at the time. You've got Rob Williams, you've got DeAndre Ayton, and you've got two Monty Kamara. 
And then they had three first-round picks, 2025, 2027, and 2029, and two pick swaps. So really, that's basically what it's going to be. It's going to be equal to that of the Donovan Mitchell trade. Very interesting. Like I said, Brogdon, sixth man of the year. Really good defensive presence, and he can shoot. Often hurt, a bit moody. Kind of a, some people say, a little bit of a cancer in the clubhouse. Asks a lot of questions. People get upset when you ask a lot of questions. I call him a tree shaker. Uh, And that might explain why he's been passed around the league quite a bit. I won't make a Brittany Renner joke there, but that's where my mind went. What Brogdon should bring? Most likely another first-round pick. Probably some more young players. Where could he end up? Probably Miami, but I just don't see that. They're so damn salty. I wouldn't blame Cronin for offering Brogdon to Miami for the original Dame Lillard deal. Hey, give us Tyler Ero and a couple of firsts late in the decade, and we'll see. Nobody needs a point guard guard more than the Heat. They Also, we'll take Lowry off your hands too. How about that? Also, Philadelphia, they need a point guard as well with the James Harden deal being kind of up in the air. And Brogdon could have a revenge tour against Boston. Anyway, what a wild few days where Portland was in the eye of the basketball hurricane and came out smelling like the city of roses. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, moving on. We're going to be dealing with the aftermath of the Dame Lillard trade for years to come. Years. The amount of impact this had on the full league is wild. We can't even see it yet. But in the immediate aftermath, we've got bad blood, people. We have got a straight-up cold war in the media between Dame and the Blazers. It was no love loss when Dame put out his letter to Portland and Joe Cronin was not in it. It was not a thank you to Joe uh, because there have been two detailed breakdowns of the trade and they were published within 24 hours of each other. The first one was Chris Haynes that included a lot of details directly from Dame and his agent, Aaron Goodwin. And then we got another one from Woj, which could have been written with full access to Joe Cronin's moleskin notebook and colored markers 
And I'm dead ass serious because that was in the story. Two sides of the same story. How the Dame trade happened. Painting completely different narratives. Let's start with what Chris Haynes dropped and Dame's story. Chris Haynes, inside the messy divorce between Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Woo, that headline is just right there. You'd know what's happening, right? Dropped on Bleach Report Friday night. And it does Thursday night? Thursday night. And it does nothing to try and hide how upset Dame was by all of this and how it went down. And as a quick aside, I love Haynes, good dude. He is as close to Dame as any NBA reporter has ever been to a superstar player since the days of, like, Ahmad Rashad and Michael Jordan. So you know that this T is directly from Dame. Here are the cliff notes of the Haynes story. One, Dame was blindsided by the trade to Milwaukee. He was on the phone with Haynes when the news dropped, and all he could, all he could say was, I got to wrap my mind around this over and over and over again. Since July, another thing in the piece, the Blazers refused to talk with the Miami Heat at all, which is contrary to many media reports. They hadn't spoken since Summer League. No wonder why Barry Jackson is pissed because people were lying all summer. They picked up the phone, asked for Bam. When Bam was not available, they said, thank you, good night, we're moving on. Next up, Goodwin, Aaron Goodwin, Dame's agent, pressured the Blazers to trade Dame to Miami anyway and did everything that he could to make it happen. He admits to this and thinks that that was the right move. For approximately two weeks, because of all this, uh, Cold War status, calls and texts to the Blazers from Dame and Goodwin went unanswered, completely ghosted them. Dame and his team let leak the fact that Dame was basically asked to sit the final 10 games of the season, which is just an absolute no-no. They're just literally trying to get the Blazers fined for tanking. Somebody pick up the phone and snitch on Adam Silver. Snitch! Snitch! Anyway, Dame also said if he couldn't go to Miami, so he reports to camp, Dame, or reports back to the facility, starts training. And... He's like, hey, if you can't trade me to Miami, then I want to rescind my trade request. What wasn't in the Haynes piece was that he really didn't want to rescind his trade request. He mostly just wanted to give him more time to get the Miami deal done. And Joe said, I don't know about that, playboy. No. The time for the trade request being rescinded is over. There's no going back. And Dame apparently was heartsick about this. Also, Joe Cronin apparently was not talking to Dame when he went back to the facility and started getting up shots with the guys. Everybody was excited to see Dame. Joe Cronin would not speak to him. Dame's very upset about that. Goodwin told Dame privately on September 17th, hey, we need to start looking into some other teams. It doesn't look like Miami's happening. Even though he was amping up the public pressure, saying that Dame will not report anywhere but Miami. If Dame goes anywhere, he will ask for a trade somewhere else. Only after the league intervened, according to Goodwin, did Cronin begin communicating again. They had to have a group call to be like, hey, it's getting spicy between you two. You guys need to figure it out. And Lillard, as a result of all of this, has a very sour taste in his mouth about how it all went down. A lot to unpack here, but the bottom line 
is that the Miami Heat were never an option for Dame. It just never was going to happen. And Aaron Goodwin worked overtime to create a mis- and disinformation campaign distributed by the Heat in particular, as well as select media members, to try and force Portland to do something that they were never going to do. Heat fans, I told you this. That deal was garbage. Portland was never going to accept it. Tyler Hero is not enough with a couple of picks and a couple of young players for Dame Lillard. But you came for me. You came for me, and the logic was sound, and now where you at now? Where you at now? Where you at now? Sad. That's where you are. That's where you are. Probably enjoying a beach somewhere because it's nice there. Probably not paying state tax. I digress. 24 hours, though, after Haynes dropped the article, the Blazers front office responded in the form of, this is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. Doesn't, doesn't see, we don't see Adrian Wojnarowski drop articles, full-length Ramona Shelburne-style articles very often, but when he does... When he does, they are spicy, and this one was spicy. His story was inside the Damian Lillard trade, how the Bucks, Blazers, and Suns got to the finish line. Very detailed look into how the Blazers and Bucks and Suns' perspective was, how it came to come, uh, become a reality. Here are the bullet points. First up, the Bucks were in on the trade immediately after Damian Lillard requested out. That's crazy. Remember, it was like, oh, nobody else wants this deal to happen, but Miami, Miami's the only offer you're ever going to get. No, no. John Horst, Jam of the Bucks, immediately called Joe Cronin and was like, hey, I got a deal. He told Cronin the day Dame demanded a trade that he was very interested, but made Cronin swear to not leak anything to anyone, especially to use Drew Holiday to raise the price with other teams. Hey, don't use me as a stalking horse, bitch, or I'm fucking out, okay? That's basically what it was. Because, John, from John Horse's perspective, if I get Giannis upset with me when he's already sprinkling in little tea leaves that he might leave the team, and Drew Holiday, who's like his brother, gets wind that he was in the trade talk, and then we don't trade him, oh yeah, we are fucked. Horse made it known if the news got out that the Bucks would bail immediately. Uh, which is why, uh, speaking of which, John Horse did not inform Giannis at all of the trade details to get his approval, did it even float it his way until it was finished because he did not want to upset Giannis over Drew being traded. That is a big balls GM big boy move. Cronin, another detail from the piece, Cronin was determined from the beginning to get the best deal for Portland, not Dame, but still wanted to do right by Dame and did. And the secrecy of the deal meant that Cronin not only could not trust anyone, especially Dame and his agent, who he knew was going to try to sour the deal, he wasn't going to tell, hey, Dame, we've got a potential deal for you to go over to Milwaukee because by that point, you start doing a little math school, and you know that Drew Holiday's in the deal, and then you start floating that out, and now you're fucked, right? So they didn't tell Dame or Dame's agent because they knew they were going to try to blow the deal up. They even had the framework of the deal in place and couldn't tell Phoenix who the young player they were getting from the other team was because they didn't want them to blow up the deal either. They gave them the salary of the player, and the type of player he was. And they narrowed it down to like 
Grayson Allen, Victor Oladipo, and I think one more. So Phoenix had to trust Joe Cronin that he wasn't going to screw him. And guess what? He didn't. Because when he told them, hey, the deal's done, and the player you're getting is Grayson Allen, they were like, absolutely done. Yes. Remember, rumors were that Phoenix wanted to trade Jay Crowder to Milwaukee for Grayson Allen, and Milwaukee wouldn't do it. And the cutest little piece of reporting was that Cronin, that Adrian Wojnarowski found, I don't know why this even came out, but it did, and I thought it was worth mentioning, is that Cronin wouldn't even write down any potential offers, any whiteboard, anything that anyone could see passing by. So he wrote down all of this stuff in his little moleskin notebook with a blue marker. So now the Drew trade was in green marker. The whole thing's wild. The, the amount of access that Adrian Wojnarowski had to Joe Cronin kind of, kind of substantiates what people in Miami were saying about Woj being someone on the inside of the Blazers camp, kind of doing their bidding. But at the same time, Barry Jackson and Aaron Fentress were doing Miami's bidding. So I guess it balances out. The bottom line, though, is that the Bucks were the best option for Dame from the beginning. But if a peep got out, the deal was off, which makes all the sense in the world. And who knows what dominoes would have fallen because of a busted last-minute trade, right? And guess what? Now we know Joe Cronin, it's Jover, Trader Joe, can keep a secret. In the world of NBA front offices, that's going to go a long way. Paging Sam Presti, paging Sam Presti. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks unveiled Dame on Saturday. They had a big, uh, like, Dame has arrived in Milwaukee. Uh to which people were there, apparently said Dame arrived late by three hours. He carried his twins in arm, one in each arm. He couldn't glad hand on the way in, really. He couldn't, you know, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist to the crowd. And people were making a massive deal out of it. They said, oh, Dame's not exactly happy. Oh, not the same level as DeAndre Ayton when he walked into the team's facility. Some people are already wondering whether he'll ever be happy in Milwaukee. A lot of conspiracies floating out and about about Damian Lillard and his arrival to Milwaukee. Let me just tell you from my perspective, though, did not love seeing him in a Milwaukee hoodie. Did not love seeing a Damian Lillard jersey uh, in Milwaukee. Did not like it. Did not like it. It made me sick. But what's not to be happy about, though, Dame? You thought you were going to a place with beautiful scenery, Sunny and hot weather year-round. You got 11. It's popping. You got a robust beach and nightlife. No state taxes. And instead, you are still going to a contender, but you're going to a place where the average temperature in January is like 16 degrees. The number one dance club in the city probably charges a $5 cover fee. The state bird is the mosquito. And instead of baddies on the beach... You got fatties in triple-down fat coats. I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> but I did. Of course, Dame is, of course he's salty. You know what fixes that up? Fixes it right up. Money and winning. You don't even probably have to go outside. You can go from car to car, garage to garage. You can go from facility to condo. Because he's not going to live in a house. Milwaukee fans think that Damian Lillard's moving to Milwaukee. He's not. But he wasn't able to do any of that, enough winning, to keep himself happy. And he's going to do a hell of a lot of that in Milwaukee. And we know Dame's going to live in Portland during the summer where it's beautiful and amazing and it never rains and it's sunny all the time. But it personally breaks my heart 
to know that Dame wanted to come back to Portland when it became obvious Miami didn't have any chance to get him. But it must have broken Joe Cronin's heart to tell him no. I'm sorry. You can't fly home, baby. It's a wrap for you. Fly away, baby bird. Fly away. I'm crying in the club. I did cry when I read my uh, Damian Lillard's letter to Portland. Cried on the air. Yeah, I did. He said, hopefully I can. I'm about to cry again. Hopefully I can return back to a Blazers uniform. And by then, you'll forgive me for breaking your heart as I did my own. Whoo, my goodness. If you don't think this hurt Joe, you don't know anything about him. He's been working with the Blazers since 2008. He was close to Dame before this. He's really worked hard to do right by Dame, put the team's interest first, and he succeeded. We'll end this episode and hopefully never have to talk about this again with Dame's goodbye. Uh, in a very long note, Dame thanked a huge list of people from Jody Allen on down, of course, not Joe Cronin, and he ended it with this soliloquy. I think I mentioned it just a second ago. As this chapter of my life ends, I look back and realize how special it was. Even in this moment, I feel sad we never accomplished what I so badly wanted to. I don't cry much, but I know my love for you is real because I'm for sure dropping some tears right now. Rip City, you know my heart and where I stand because I've stood there for over a decade. So to have to move off my square hurts my heart. As my guy Chief says, one man don't stop no show, and the show in Rip City must go on without me. I do believe a day will come where I put on a Blazers uniform again, and hopefully by then I'll be forgiven for breaking your hearts along with my own. I'm not crying, you're crying. Damn, man, why do you have to do us like that? Don't even write that letter, just go, be the villain, just go. Moving on. You've heard my take on the Dame situation. Now get ready for the Miami point of view. Miami resident and friend of the show, Jonathan Zaslow of the Zaslow 2.0 podcast, is a dedicated Heat fan. Damn. Damn, man. Got me crying on my damn podcast. And he joined me and the crew on BetMGM tonight to let me know how Miami reacted to the Dame to Miami news. I was joined by my co-host Ryan Horvath and Nick Ashu. As always, let's get right into it. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, we bring on Jonathan Zaslow, Zaslow Show 2.0. And, uh, I, I mean, if you got anything on this game, if you, I mean, feel free. But, my God, uh, I'm sure it's been a rough couple of days down there in Miami for you, too. So <laughs> feel free to go either direction you want. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, I, I will tell you that I, I thought the Packers were the play tonight. So I'm hoping for a strong second half. I just got home. I have not been watching, but I do know the score. So, obviously, I'm not pleased with that. And as far as the, uh, as far as the news... Yesterday afternoon, I'm like, I'm, I was shocked. I was shocked. I feel stupid. I was very confident that the Heat were going to land Damian Lillard. And, you know, as more and more the details come out, you realize that the Heat really never had, they, they never had a chance. And, and that part is, uh, is aggravating if you're a Heat fan. It's not that the Blazers owe the Heat anything. It's not the Heat's right to be able to trade for uh, any player they want. The Blazers don't want to talk to them. 
They don't have to talk to him. And that seemingly is the direction it went. So that part, as a Heat fan, is frustrating. Why do you think they didn't want to talk to you guys? Because I think, I think things got personal. I think they got in their feelings. And, and I think that, and look, I, I'll, full disclosure, I don't like player empowerment. But there is a movement in the league these days, these years, where player empowerment is a very real thing. And it would appear that the Blazers, and Joe Cronin in particular, I guess, were, were angry with Damian Lillard essentially trying to thin the market for a possible trade by saying, I will only play for Miami. And the Blazers decided, okay, well, we're not going to play that game. So we're going to take any deal out there, the best deal, not Miami. So there's no reason to even talk to the Heat. I mean, the details that are coming out now are they really never had a real conversation. And that part to me is crazy because while, of course, no one owes the Miami Heat a phone call or even an opportunity to trade for anyone. But if you're talking about, at worst, top three player in your franchise's history, maybe some people would say the greatest player in your franchise's history. If he really, really badly wants to go to one team in particular, is it crazy to pick up the phone, have a conversation, at the end of the conversation, tell Pat Riley, F you, hang up the phone, and then say, Dame, we tried. But, like, they didn't even do that. Like, that part's crazy to me. So what do you think they do next now? Like, I'm reading articles. You got Sports Illustrated saying, should we revisit conversations about Embiid to the Heat? Which I do think, like, after this year, if Philly doesn't do anything, maybe he looks to get moved. But what kind of splashy move can they make? Because you know Pat Riley has to do something here. Yeah, there's – well, see, that's the thing. I don't think Pat Riley thinks he needs to do something here. Now, it's a little bit of hubris on the team's part where they don't necessarily feel they need to do anything. But then there's also the evidence, which is two of the last four years, they've been in the finals. One of those other two years, they were in game seven of the East finals. So do they really think they need to do something? No, I don't think that they feel that way. They lost Struess, they lost Vincent. But here's the thing. They get new Struces and new Vincents every couple of years. So I don't think that they feel the need to do anything. And they're like, yeah, well, we were just in the finals. We'll run it back. And and by the way, we proved that it doesn't even matter what seed we are. We just need to get into the playoffs and we're comfortable with our team. As far as the Embiid thing, uh, that is a pipe dream. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if Embiid's going to ask out at some point, but Let's be honest here. There's a difference between trying to trade for Damian Lillard and saying, okay, we'll give you Tyler Hero as the main piece in whatever draft picks. That ain't cutting it for any type of Joel Embiid conversation. Like, if you're going to have a conversation about Embiid, the conversation begins with Bam Adebayo. And I don't think a deal like that necessarily benefits the Heat. The Heat aren't going to part with Bam for practically, I don't think anyone. Like, they weren't including Bam in a conversation for Kevin Durant last year. So the Embiid stuff, I, I think that's a waste of time for Heat fans to even talk about. Yeah, I mean, you get kind of spoiled, I guess, when you watch an organization make moves that you don't know how they make the moves, and then somehow they make it happen year after year. And at some point you go, okay, they're just going to figure this out. And if they don't make any, I mean, right now I'm assuming there's really nothing else they can do unless Pat Riley pulls a something magic out of his hat and somebody requests a trade right before the season, which wouldn't make any sense. So let's assume that this team is going to go in looking the way that they do. Where do they stack up in the Eastern Conference in your eyes? 
I mean, last year was a really frustrating regular season. And so they barely sneak into the postseason as the eighth seed. They almost, you know, didn't even make the playoffs at all because of the play-in. Uh, they should be a lot better than an eighth seed. Like, they should be a top-five team. You know, it doesn't really matter what seed they are going into the playoffs. They've beaten Milwaukee two of the last they, – they faced each other three of the last four playoffs. Miami won two of them. Uh, so, and, and, and a couple of them were actually pretty handily uh, in, in Miami's favor. It should be a top-five team. I think they look at it and say, all right, we're going to have a super motivated Tyler Hero. Uh, we, 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 maybe we're going to get a resurrected Duncan Robinson because they dusted him off in the playoffs and he was great again. Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin thought he was Jimmy Butler for half the playoffs, all right? <laughs> and then you got a couple of the young guys in Jovich who had a fantastic World Cup. And, and Hawkes Jr. is 22 years old. Like, he's going to play. So... I, I think I think there is intrigue because there are some pieces there that they feel really good about. They should definitely be a top five team in the East. I like uh, the plus 550 for the Heat to miss the playoffs. <laughs> uh, how disappointing would it be if you guys became a lottery team? I'm sure awful. I see Barry, my man Barry Jackson at Florida Sports Buzz already to the place of acceptance in the stage of grief where Heat fans legit Zaz are talking about just whether there's any merit to start this whole thing over again and blow it up. It's, it's wild out there on the streets. Well, I mean, being a lottery team the year after Wembenyama is stupid, all right? So, yes, I, I would be really annoyed if they were a lottery team this year. There were plenty of Heat fans, by the way, after the Heat lost the first play-in game and then had to play the second one, the do-or-die game against Chicago. There were Heat fans who wanted them to lose that game because, like, ah, they're not going to be able to do anything as an eight seed. Let's just get into the Wembenyama sweepstakes. But as as far as as far as them missing the playoffs, like the only way that would happen is if there's some type of catastrophic injury, God forbid. And and is and the blowing it up, starting over, tearing it down kind of deal. That that has never been the Heat's way. It's never going to be the Heat's way. They do not play that game. Jonathan Zaslow, Zaslow Show 2.0. Always good to talk to you, man. My Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, we're going to be all right down here. <laughs> the weather's nice. We're going to be okay. That's all the time we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Come on back later for an all-new episode. Many thanks to Jonathan as well as my co-hosts Nick Ashu and Ryan Horvat and producer Scott Lynn. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes which drop unexpectedly and follow The Heat Check as we head into the new NBA season. This one should be a doozy. More Dame on the East Coast. That's good news. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and tell your friends, every single one of them, and follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. We'll see you next time.